0: amen amen I love Christmas songs and singing those things together is powerful and profound but before we get any further there's one more announcement that I forgot to make uh, this morning Uh, Isaac Meetsma is here with us and he's uh, grown up through our student ministry here many of us know his family so they've been heavily involved in Covenant Christian Forever and stuff as well and Isaac and Leah got engaged very recently here so huge congratulations to you guys very very excited for you guys and Blessings on you. Uh, I was chatting with him this morning. They got engaged very recently and in our conversation I misunderstood and thought they were getting married this Saturday and I was like, holy smokes, I think it's like like two weeks But uh, it's next year from what I understand. They were looking at venues this weekend So a little bit of miscommunication, but congratulations to you guys very very excited for you and uh, blessings on you guys as you walk through this season here Uh, But as we turn to God's word this morning, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 10 John chapter 10, and we're going to read a little uh, bit of this passage here together today as we uh, step into the things that God has prepared for us here. It'll be on the screen for us as well if you'd like. Uh, But John chapter 10, the the story of the good shepherd and his sheep. So we're going to read this together, John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. Jesus is speaking here to the Pharisees and he says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Who ever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The gate and the good shepherd, the way and the guide, the word became flesh. Not just to teach us, but to be everything that we need. And only in Him we can know life. Have you come to the gate? Do you know the voice of the shepherd? Amen. God is good and He's here with us. This morning we're continuing our series that we started last week in this Advent season looking at The reality of the incarnation. What it means that God became human. What it means that the Word became flesh. This year we've been exploring that idea of the Word. Exploring nature and power and purpose of Scripture. What it is and what it means for us. What God has given to us and what He means for us to do with it, how He has revealed Himself to us in these pages. And it's been an amazing journey walking through the different pieces of Scripture, the different facets of God's revelation of Himself, hearing His voice in these different ways and seeing His people grow and change as He journeys alongside them, leading them and teaching them, providing for them, protecting them, caring for them, revealing relationship. The nature of connection that He created us to experience with Him. And in that journey we saw the power of the presence of God. And the pain and the struggle of His people as they fell into sin and fear and God's grace. As He worked to bring them back to obedience and life. Scripture is a journey. And in its pages we see the love of God revealed to us as He journeys with His people. This Advent season now we come to much deeper truth, a deeper reality, a deeper revelation of God's presence as we seek to understand that the Word is more than a book. The word is more than stories. The Word is more than teachings given to us. The Word is a person. Jesus. And He came, He was born, He lived, He died, and He rose again to show us that relationship is about more than following a book. It's about becoming alive in Him. Jesus is the living Word and knowing God is knowing Him. Knowing the Word is knowing Him. Knowing life is knowing Him. And then the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. And everything He had revealed, everything He had spoken through His prophets and His leaders through His teachers and poets and kings, came to life in front of us. Walked and talked and ate with us. Laughed and cried with us. Came to be with us. Revealing His love and His grace and His power and His authority. One of the things that's always so amusing When people in the world, you've probably heard this narrative before, and even people in the church sometimes start discussing or debating particular political ideas or cultural issues, they try to drag Jesus into it or keep Him out of it with the same kind of thing. And they'll say things like, well, Jesus never said anything about this. They'll point to the Gospels and try to find a specific verse, and they'll say, see, Jesus never said anything about this specific thing. So then they imply that we get to make up whatever we want to be true. Whatever we feel is right. If it's not written explicitly in red letters, then who can say what Jesus would say? This idea ignores the power of John chapter 1. And what Jesus has spoken to us here, He has spoken all of this. And He is more than this. All Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good word. The Word has given us the Word that we can know what He has said and that we can see Him beyond these pages too, living in relationship with Him together today. Jesus isn't just in the red letters, He is everywhere. And in John 1.14, He tells us further that He is here. It's not just what He has said, He has given us Himself. And in Him, by His Spirit, alive in us, we can be fully known and we can fully know Scripture is relationship, God is relationship, the Word, Jesus is relationship, and He came to reveal relationship to us, to be in relationship with us. The incarnation is the revelation of relationship. And again, as we said last week, all that sounds great. But what does that mean? What do we do with that? If Jesus is it, who is He? How do we know who he is. And so we said, let's just ask him. So that's what we're doing this Advent season. Jesus said he is the word and that he came to show us what that means. And so we're asking him, Jesus, who are you? Show us who you are. We started looking at the places that he answered that exact question. Who is Jesus? What does he mean for us? In the Gospel of John, he gave us that answer. The people around Jesus at that time wondered too. Who is this man? And he told them seven times. Jesus said, I am. And told us explicitly who and what he is. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Seven times He looked the people in the eyes. The Word made flesh there with them and said, This is who I am. And for the most part, we haven't really liked his answers. Our sinful hearts don't want to submit. We don't want to see. We don't want to follow. Because it means we have to change. And ever since he said these things, we've never stopped questioning him. They were questioning it immediately after he said these things. Challenging him. Because somewhere in our hearts we don't want to know. We don't want to see. Because we don't want to see that we have to change. We don't want to know who he is because we'd rather he just be like us. It'd be easier. If he's like me, then I'm fine. So I can, if I can make him like me, think like me, act like me, have the same opinions that I do, care about what I care about, then it turns out I'm good and I don't have to change. Easy peasy. I don't need to be saved. I'm already there. But Jesus is not like us. And if we want to see who He is, we have to listen to what He said when He told us who He is. So we started last week with his final I am statement, I am the true vine. And we saw the depth of connection that we were created for, the depth of relationship, that we are not meant to be separate. He is the vine and we are the branches. Our life is meant to be a part of him, growing right out of him. His presence alive in us that we can bear fruit and be pruned and shaped By the hand of the gardener made fully alive in complete surrender. That's what Jesus wants for us. The life He desires for you. The life He was born for you to know. Now this week we're going to look at two of these pieces that are connected together here in John chapter 10. That He is the gate and He is the good shepherd. He is the way and He is the guide. And we come to this passage that we read this morning in John chapter 10, where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, calling them out and trying to help them see. but this story begins in the chapter before in chapter nine where Jesus heals a man born blind. and that leads to this teaching on blindness that he says sparks a huge argument with the religious leaders that saw this happening. This is an amazing story and There's a lot of pieces in here that reveal our own hearts so clearly if we're willing to see it and be humbled by it. It's amusing to see just how human this story is. This man was blind from birth and Jesus and his disciples encounter him on their journeys. And they have this interesting conversation where his followers ask Jesus about this blind man. Who sinned, they ask. Was it this man or his parents? Which speaks to the way that we see the world. When something bad happens to someone, something unfortunate, we so easily check down to how it's their fault. There must be some sin in their life. How easily... We wonder if God's punishing us for something when we have a flat tire or something goes wrong, let alone when something truly terrible happens, like we have a really scary health diagnosis or a real tragedy. We wonder, what have we done to deserve this? Even people who aren't walking with God, we blame fate or destiny or some cosmic consequences for some bad action we must have done. Jesus' disciples wonder the same thing. Why is he blind? Whose fault is this? Jesus gives them this incredible answer. And if you understand it, please let me know. Because I've been trying to figure it out. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home. Seeing So many incredible details in this story, and we don't have time to unpack all of them. One of them being, presumably, he was blind all the way to the pool. Jesus did this, and he went. This strange man spit on the ground, made mud, put it on his face, and told him to go. And nothing happened. Nothing changed. And he obeyed. Walked in faith, and he was healed. We don't have time for all that. Read these things for yourself. Read this story and listen to what God is speaking to you, the way he healed him. Every healing Jesus did was unique. He spoke, he laid hands. Sometimes he wasn't even near the person. And here he made mud. Why the differences? What is God doing in all of these different places? But Jesus performs this miracle starting from a question that we too might ask. And then after the people don't even believe what they're seeing with their own eyes, the story rings so real because it's just so us too. So the man went home and washed and he came home seeing. Unbelievable. And what do people do? His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, is this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed he was, and others said, no, no, he only looks like him. The people couldn't believe their own eyes. They tried to dismiss it. They questioned what they saw. They questioned the miracle. It couldn't have been. We must be mistaken. It's a coincidence. How often do we treat the works of God In our own lives in the same way, healings, lives transformed. What a coincidence. What an unexpected turn of events. We dismiss the hand of God and see only nature or our own efforts. We love to see our own efforts in the change we see. So the people question and the leaders question, and they interrogate the man who was healed and his family, and he says to them, "Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see." And the Pharisees refuse to see, to the point that they accuse the man, who's he being healed, of being a liar. And they scream at him, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. The power of God revealed before their eyes and they threw him out. So Jesus hears this unfold and he finds the man he healed. And he says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when they found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one who is speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world. So that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. But they will not follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And so he said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Last week we looked at the vine and the depth of relationship that... Depth of connection that Jesus desires, what life is truly meant to look like. And here now, standing among the Pharisees, Jesus tells us again who he is in the face of all their power, in the face of all their structure, all their tradition, all their understanding, all their knowledge, all the roadblocks they put up between people and God, all the barriers, all the divisions. Jesus looks at their walls and says, I am the gate. They knew the scriptures. They thought they knew the way. They knew the stories. They knew the traditions. And they knew how to control people. By everything our world values, they were right. Outward displays of righteousness. Holding power. Deep knowledge. And Jesus comes into their world and says, It's not what you know. It's who you know. He revealed to them the power of God healing this man born blind. A man that all their wise men said it was his or his parents' fault. It was his sin. There was a wall there. There was no way. God had rejected him. Punished him. And Jesus says, I am the gate. The way back to the Father. The way to healing. The way back To life. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life. And have it to the fullest. Abundant life. And then he goes further. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the gate and the good shepherd. He is the way and the guide and if we trust Him, we will listen to His voice. There is no other way The Pharisees thought they had it and they didn't see it when it came. And our world thinks they have it and they don't hear Him when He calls because there is only one gate. No matter how religious you are, no matter how righteous you are, no matter how deep your conviction about what you think, your opinions on morality or goodness or salvation or life, there is no other way, no other gate but Jesus. There is no other shepherd, no other guide but Him. We want another way. We want to trust ourselves instead of someone else. We don't want to submit. We think we've got it figured out. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to believe that we can't fix things ourselves. But Jesus stands opposite of all of our instincts, all of our wisdom, and he calls us back to himself. Our world says things like, follow your heart. Jesus says, follow me. Our world says, be true to yourself. But Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Our world says, believe in yourself. Jesus says, believe in me. Our world says, live your truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And our world cries out, whatever makes you happy. And the good shepherd says, what will it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? The shepherd is calling, leading us to the gate. He laid down his life to make the way for us and there is no other way. The Pharisees could only see their own way, the way they thought the world worked, the way they knew people should live, the rules they had forged, the power they had built, the control they had over their own lives and others. And Jesus didn't fit. He didn't conform to that. And he said to them, it's not your way, it's my way. Come to me and let me show you. This Advent season, we ask Jesus who he is, and he said, I am the gate and the good shepherd. I have come that you might have abundant life. This Christmas, Jesus is inviting you to the gate. The good shepherd is calling you. Do you hear his voice? Will you follow him? Come and see Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word here in these pages and your word alive in Jesus. We thank you that he came to reveal your word to us in fullness. Who you truly are and what you mean all of this to be. We thank you that the Good Shepherd was willing to lay down his life for us. And that he could take it up again, conquering sin and death, making the way back to abundant life. Father God, we ask your forgiveness for all the places we still try to cling to our own power, where we still try to make our own way, where we still try to lean on our own understanding. Help us to surrender. To the good shepherd to come through the gate into abundant life pray that you would speak that you would move this holiday season this Christmas season that as we meditate on these things you would draw us deeper into that submission into that surrender that we would know the voice of the shepherd more and more that we would go where he leads we ask these things in Jesus name Amen.